Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Wellness with Liz Earle. And as you know, we bring you some of the best, most interesting and informed guests to chat right here in my wellbeing studios. And today I am beyond thrilled and delighted Aww. to welcome the brilliant and deservedly best-selling novelist Kathy Lett, commentator, feminist, all-round dynamic midlife woman here to talk <laughs> well-being for all ages. So you just so proved my my motto about my mantra about women is mm. that we are each other's human wonder bras, uplifting, <laughs> supportive, and making each other look bigger and better. Because what a lovely, lovely intro that was. Uh, I love that. And, you know, I think a lot of what I find so helpful being a midlife woman is this notion of sisterhood. And, oh, gorgeous. You know, I'm fed up with, with women climbing the Tower of Power and trampling on their sisters as they get mm, there. Mm. But I don't know any women like that. Are you here about these mythical women who, uh, you know, have to go to the vets to get their claws done. <laughs> but in my experience, the camaraderie and the solidarity between women is is phenomenally strong. And that's backed up by biology and anthropology, actually. Biologists say that, you know, laughing is good for you. We know that. But anthropologists say that women in all cultures on the globe laugh more often than men, especially in all female groups. And I think that's how we cope when we get together. <laughs> We we cackle, we strip that off our emotional true. underwear in about mm -hmm. 3.6 seconds, which is a psychological striptease that reveals all. And our humour is very cathartic and anecdotal and confessional. And that's how we bond. But it's also how you can teaches you to strap a giant shock absorber to your brain. If you can laugh at something with your girlfriends, mm. it takes the pain out of it. Mm. And I think, generally speaking, women are the carers, especially women our age, or well, my age. You know, you're younger yeah, than me, obviously. Yeah, but just. Yeah. Um, we tend to be the ones who care for the aged relatives, the fragile friends, the ill siblings, the, mm. our children, yeah. all their needs, many of them special. So if we couldn't have a good cackling bit of girl time with our friends, I mean, yeah. you just would not survive. Yeah. I started a little WhatsApp group recently um, called Sisterhood, hashtag Sisterhood. Yeah, oh great, and I'm joining. Well, well, I don't know if you're invited, but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll start another one. Um, I was away on a trip for the, the magazine and we were shooting, there were five of us, similar oh. ages. And we just bonded from that experience. Mm. And actually now, whenever anything is just getting a little bit too much or we find something that's quirky or amusing, we'll just send it out as a quick 
kind of cyber space Lovely. connection hug and it, it there is something really reassuring yeah. to know that there are other people out there who share your sense mm. of humor who mm. can be supportive mm. i love that my, my human wonder bras around well, me I, I think yeah exactly <laughs> but i think also you know women um we have so much to deal with in life True. starting with being the the butt of god's biological joke i mean all <laughs> the things women go through from when you first get your periods and you're taken hostage by your hormones once a month to pregnancy where everything swells to sumo wrestler proportions. And then there's childbirth where, you, you know, you stretch your birth canal, the customary five kilometres, you know. Then mastitis, <laughs> then the menopause. And then just when everything goes quiet, you know what happens? You grow a beard. I mean, how can that be fair? <laughs> so, you know, I could make a macrame hanging basket arrangement with what's going on <laughs> in my chin here. So I think with women, it's a case of laugh and the world laughs with you and cry, yeah. you get salt in your champagne. So Christ, you don't want that. Like so you that. might as well just keep <laughs> laughing. And that's what you do with your women. How friends. have you laughed through menopause? Because obviously I've, I've just written a book mm. about menopause, so it's very front of mind. And mm. we've, we've got a face group group actually with thousands of women now who are just mm. flocking to it to have this great female exchange and chat. Mm. How have you coped through it? Are you somebody who's a natural earth mother and you've rejected anything God, no. medical or have you gone for every every <laughs> pill known to man well i tried you know but i, w- I did try all that you know what's that stuff called black cohort black cohort oh, yeah, i tried all of that in the beginning but i would just say to any woman listening just take all that money you were going to spend on herbs mm. and remedies <laughs> and give it to a charity of your choice because in the end you will come back to using yeah. hrt yeah and now we know that hrt is actually it's safe is safe mm. and it's beneficial. Beneficial, and yeah, not only safe. Staves off Alzheimer's yeah, and, yeah. and is good for your bones and all that yeah. kind of thing. And of course, um, speaking in evolutionary terms, the menopause is quite a new thing. I mean, once upon a time, you know, you were eaten by dinosaurs before you got to like twenty-two. <laughs> then every woman, every woman died in childbirth. Men died in war. I mean, there yes. was no such thing as the menopause. Yes. So um, we know that estrogen is good for females. It's the female friendly. It keeps, yeah. It's what keeps you juicy and energetic yeah, and yeah, all of that. Sense, yeah. So why not just have a little help from? Yeah. Well, especially HRT. body identical. I, you know, I think there was a lot of scares in the past that it was synthetic or coming from mm. horses. We, you know, which yeah. you did in the old days. I know. But... Am I going to start tossing my mane and counting with one foot and saying yay or nay? But, but no, no I, I think it's a it's a really good thing. And I'm also pleased that women are finally talking about it. That's the key thing, isn't it? Whatever your views, the yeah. fact that, you know, it used to be just such a taboo. Oh. I mean, even just last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing, actually, how quickly things can become mm. topical and talked about. Mm. But I remember my mother, you know, and her friends sort of in a cardigan coven in the kitchen, whispering in the corner about <laughs> the change that was coming. And I thought, like, you know, Voldemort, some dark lord was going to descend in his chariot with gargoyles or something. But when I started going through the menopause, oh, God, about six years ago or something, I, I wrote a piece in the paper and started mm. talking about it, but other women were not doing it no, at the time. that was very And I used to thinking. say, look, all the women my age, Nigella, all these glamorous women, yeah. they are in the menopause, yeah. so it's not a bad thing. And I try to be positive about the menopause yeah. too because I think the good thing that happens for women is that, you know, you've researched all mm. this, is that your estrogen goes down a little bit and your mm. testosterone comes up yeah. a little bit, so you get a little bit more selfish, mm. a little bit more bullshit, a little bit more like a bloke, actually. Yeah. So having been raised to be decorative and demure our whole lives and to, you know, put up with every, sort of satiate everybody else's needs, 
you just, for once you can start to put yourself first. But me time. Yeah, and I think for women, life is in two acts, and the trick is surviving the interval. The menopause is the interval, right. but the second act of a woman's life now can be fabulous because yeah. we're financially independent. We're yeah. no long, longer tethered to the kitchen by our apron strings. Mm. We've got HRT. You know, husband replacement therapy. <laughs> and we can take on the world. So it's really exciting. And it's a good time yeah. to have your, your human wonder brows around you. I mean, when I'm doing this show, Girls Night Out now, this one-woman show, I'm doing it all mm. around the country. And it's about 200 to 300 women come a night. Grandmas, mums, daughters, sisters, best friends. It's yeah. one man. I mean, one or two men who obviously are ovulating by the end of the evening. <laughs> but what the, it's an interesting way of taking the psychological temperature of yeah. women my age around the country. Yeah. And what they want is fun, yes. frivolity, sisterhood, camaraderie. They are ready to finally have a good time, like last hormonal hurrah. And they're travelling with their girlfriends. They're not travelling with their husbands. Mm. They're, they're mm. going off in, in all girl groups. And it's just great to see them finally having some me time. What do you think about things like cosmetic surgery? I know one of your early books was Nip and Tuck. You know, <laughs> yes. Was that sort of written on personal experience? Did you do a lot of research for that? Well, I, was li I lived in L.A. when I was in my um, late 20s working on a sitcom there. And what I realised is there no, there's no law of gravity in Los Angeles. I mean, skin sags upwards. It's incredible. And basically all they're doing <laughs> is dragging everything up so the ankle becomes the knee, the knee becomes the navel, the clitoris becomes the chin. And that's how you spot a recipient of cosmetic surgeries. Look for a woman who's rubbing that part of anatomy a little bit too, too vigorously, which I'm doing right now and I'm quite enjoying. <laughs> and my, my whole thing about cosmetic surgery is that uh, I think women suffer from facial prejudice. We get judged on our looks. In You're the way so clever that men with don't. your words, you know. Uh, well, it's facial prejudice. <laughs> I mean, that is just classic, isn't it? Well, it, I call it my black belt and tongue foo, because I grew up with the, all these beautiful young surfy girls. You know, in Sydney, I was a surfy right. chick, and they were tall, blonde, you know, blue-eyed, lovely long legs, beautifully mm. proportioned breasts. You know, and I'm a little bonsai brunette whose bra cups do not runneth over. So I had to develop some other skill, otherwise, you know, I never would have got laid. The Pope would be ringing me up for tips on celibacy. <laughs> But anyway, this facial prejudice thing drives me crazy because I think for women, wordplay is foreplay. You know, how is this yeah. Woody Allen still getting laid? You know, <laughs> sure. we, we know whenever they do research with men and women about what we find attractive in each mm. other, um, men always put looks first and personality about 10th for women. But we always put personality yeah, first and sure. looks is way down the list. Mm. So, um, and I think bit, part of the big problem is that we... As we age, we never see women who look like us on television. 85% of women, sorry, 85% of people on British television over 50 are male. You know, Dimbleby, Paxman, Gosh, they can go on to 410. Yeah. But women, uh, you hit 50 and you just put out to career pasture. I'm thinking of organising yeah. a big uh, march down to BBC Broadcasting House mm. of all the women who've been sidelined from television for the for the horrible crime of having a wrinkle. We're all going to wear leopard skin. We have a, have a big cocktail party yeah. in the horseshoe, and then we're going to slap our HRT patches all over the glass and go, <laughs> we are still here. Hello. Yeah, but and also, also, and a huge proportion of the watching public and listening public. Yes. So, and also, uh, increasingly so. Yeah, and really. we're paying the license fee. Sure. I think we should only pay a percentage of the license fee of how many women we see who, who represent us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's no wonder women panic about aging. It's mm -hmm. just it's, I understand that. And also, I'm at the age now. I'm 59, 
where a lot of my women friends are being traded in for younger models. Their husbands mm. are discarding them. And they are doing anything they can to stay young. And, yeah. and you know, I don't see them for a few weeks. And then I see these huge breasts coming down the high street oh, with their gosh. own postcode. They've, then I see the lips, you know, that, that look where it looks like she's got yeah. a vagina sutured to her face. That, And that, as you know, is collagen. They take the fat out of their bottoms and inject it into their lips so they're literally talking out of their ass. <laughs> says a lot about Kim Kardashian and co. You know, and then I see them at the gym, they've waxed all the hair off their bodies. And I'm like, why are you trying to look like prepubescent girls, you yeah. know? I wouldn't say this in any other context, but like, bring back Bush, don't yeah. you think? <laughs> I don't want to be with a man who likes a little like Bush walking. I want a man who likes a little like Bush Tucker, actually. But... <laughs> so I just think we need to stand up against the trend of having to look young all the time. It's exhausting yeah. and it's expensive, the maintenance. But having said that, I do also understand mm. why women do it because ageing to women is like kryptonite to Superman. You know, show me a woman who's happy with her age and I'll show you the electroconvulsive therapy scorch marks. <laughs> so I do understand it, but I try hard to resist it. Like dimmer switch, yeah. greatest beauty. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all about the light. slow, exactly. It's, you know, I, I often get comments on my Instagram and people say, oh, that was a great picture. You know, what, you know, what did you do to retouch it? And I really try, you know, not to be, not, yeah. not to fall into that trap. But I say, it's all about the lighting. It's all about the lighting. You know, if you have a great camera with a great lens <laughs> and great light, you can knock decades off. And <laughs> you're right. exactly right. I, I, you know, in every room of the house now, I, yeah. I fit a dimmer switch. It's like your cheapest anti-aging <laughs> oh, tool, totally. isn't it? Yeah, and, and also, candles are also yeah, really very helpful. Good. And also only being seen out with much older people. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. I was friend, really good friends with John Mortimer, who wrote Rumpole. Yeah, and yeah. he was a darling man. He used to call himself my toy boy, but then he would say it would take him two weeks to get a soft on. But he <laughs> he thought I was like a young nymphette. He couldn't see me, but you know, it was just great having these compliments from from an older guy. So yeah, get older friends and a dimmer switch. Yeah. What about the the, the younger girls? Because we've got daughters of similar ages mm, yeah. in, the, in their late twenties. Mm. You know what? Do you make a conscious decision as to the messages that you're sending out to, to that generation about aging, about empowering women and, and how they can not fear and fall into that trap? You mentioned the Kardashians. They are all super young and yet they're all oh. going down this extraordinary well, surgical and, route. And they're famous for being famous. I mean, fame yeah. should be a byproduct of what you do. Totally. I, I just don't understand that yeah. phenomenon yeah, I don't at get all. It either. But I'm really heartened by my daughter's generation, mm -hmm. by her friends. I mean, she was a dolly bird in her teens with a fake tan and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But then, you know, she turned her brain on and she went to university. She got a double first in politics and history. Wow. She was student president um, wow. at SOAS. Then she worked for oh Amnesty and Momentum. And now she's working for Jamie Corbyn as one of his press officers. Gosh. But she's she totally... Um, I mean, I think what I try and say to young women is, why would you want a man who only wants you because you're silicon from tonsils to toenails? You wouldn't want a man like that. <laughs> no. So that tells you a lot about him. Right? But it, I mean, I don't know what her personal situation is, but I know a lot of guys, whether they're young or older, are really scared and intimidated by women with brains. Do you find that? Well, who wants to hang out with them? Okay, fair enough. You know, I mean... You know, just you want a strong, ballsy guy too. Well, not even necessarily that. I, I think you have to be very careful about the man you choose. And mm. alpha women often went for alpha men. But I think women perhaps need to go for a beta male, mm. a man who will adore you, not bore you, and do all your chores for you. A wife, in other words. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a man who's who's you know strident and macho just mm. a man who appreciates you and will help hold you up 
Yes. I think that's what women need to be looking for. Mm, interesting mm. idea. Now, you talk about your daughter and the amazing organisation she's worked for, because you are, would you consider yourself an activist? Yes. A campaigner? Oh, yes. So has she inherited that from you? I suppose she has, and her father, too, is an activist yeah. and a campaigner. But, yes, I mean, I've been a feminist since I was a teenager. and um, Consciously so. I mean, was that yeah. you, you decided to be a feminist, or was that just the way you grew up? Well, d- mind you, we, I did, lived in the Sydney suburbs down on the beaches, and we didn't know who Jermaine Greer was. Jermaine Greer was rhyming slang for beer. You'd go to the Jermaine pub, Greer. and they'd say, it's your turn to get the germs. Right. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> but the girls, we were just a life support system to a pair of breasts. You know, we were just there to fetch the boys' towels and their, get their milkshakes and to massage their egos. And th- they were so sexist, these surfy boys. As an example of how sexist they were, they used to get us to cut their names out in paper, sticky tape into our stomachs, and then sunbake so we get a tan tattoo in the shape of their names. So if ever I get cancer, I'll have a melanoma called Bruce. I'll have to have like a brucectomy <laughs> to get rid of it. So that pretty much turned me on to feminism <laughs> quite, quite quickly age. after that. They disproved the theory of evolution. They were evolving into apes, those guys. But what I find sad is that, you know, I've, we've been saying the same thing for so, for decades and we still don't have equal pay, you know. Sure, that's, that's real sake, front getting, of mind now, isn't we're it? We're getting about 80 pence in the pound. And we're getting mm. concussion, hitting our head on the glass ceiling. Plus, we're supposed to clean it while we're up there. Mm-hmm. So I think any mm-hmm. woman who's not a feminist has kept her wonder bra and burnt her brains because we still have a long, long way to go. And, you know, we're not dis- we want men to join us at the barricades. Yeah. You know, we're not anti-men, No, for sure. Say. No. We're never going to get change until they do join us. And it's not as though women are asking for a lot. Equal pay, that'd be nice. Yeah, absolutely. We'd like them to work out that mutual orgasm is not an insurance company. That'd be great. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> And we'd like them to help around the house. Because yeah, even though women make up it really, isn't it? even though women mm. make up fifty percent of the workforce, we're still doing about ninety nine point nine percent of all the housework and the childcare. And you know, it's in their interest to help us because it's scientifically proven that no woman ever shot a husband while he was vacuuming. <laughs> so it's you know <laughs> and they should do a little you know, a little few sensitive things with snow peas in the kitchen because the weight of a woman's heart is through her stomach. That's not aiming too high, <laughs> in my view. What does a woman really want in bed? Breakfast. <laughs> And a good book, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that's asking for a lot, do you? No, no. I think that's, that's a very good message. So I hope all you ladies listening will be putting this podcast on your other half's <laughs> playlist. Yes. I mean, Amanda, what men, all they have to realise is that doing housework is foreplay for us. You know, really. It's a the vacuuming. It's, it's the a good ultimate thing. blowjob, you know. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Subject change. Um, you are the mother of an autistic son. Yes. And that must have been a real challenge with him yeah. growing up. And mm-hmm. I know that now as an adult, I mean, when we tend to think about autism and help, it's very much focused on the youngster yeah. and around the time of diagnosis, which I know is usually sort of around three years old. Yes, it is. I don't know how it three. was in, in your case, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, and he is now how old, Jules? 27. So, and he still has the same issues that he had when he was younger. Yeah. How is he been growing up? Well, not... Autism is a lifelong neurological condition, and its chief characteristics are an inability to communicate, socialise, often chronic OCD and anxiety, but also often a very high IQ. Mm. I mean, my own son's like Wikipedia with a pulse. And when wow. actually when he was born, I thought he was a little genius. He walked early, talked early. Mm. But then at about 13 months, it was like his computer crashed, and he really? just lost his language. He lost his... Um, he, sat, he went into himself and started rocking, whatever... And when he was three, as you said, that's a typical time to get the diagnosis. And suddenly my son had become a plant in a gloomy room. Mm. And it was my job to drag him into the light in some way. And was much known about it back no, then? No, not back then. In fact, it was, a, it was a terribly dark diagnosis to get autism. And I think parents with, with any child with special needs, you go through stages. The first stage mm. you go through is denial. I bankrupted myself seeing every medical expert in the country. I hate to think how many doctors' children I've now put through university. (laughs) And then then you go through the guilt, your guilt gland throbs. I mean, as mums, you feel guilty. Everything's your fault always. You could have done better. You could have done it differently. You feel guilty all the time. But when you have a child with special needs, you think, was it something I ate? Was it something I drank? Was it that one glass of wine in the final trimester? If only I'd feng shui'd my aura like Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, everything would be fine. And then you go through a stage of the why me's where you feel really angry and mm. really sorry for yourself. And you probably drink way too much alcohol at that point. And then eventually you just have to think, well, this is the unique little mm. person I've been given. And I've just got to do my best by yeah. him or her. And what, I, what my son <clears throat> has taught me is there's no such thing as normal and abnormal. There's ordinary and extraordinary. And people with autism have a literal, lateral, tangential logic, which is truly inspiring. You know, we now know with diagnostic hindsight that Mozart and Einstein and Orwell and Van Gogh and Steve Jobs and probably Bill Gates and all these amazing musicians and scientists and inventors and artists were on the autistic spectrum. So with the right help, they could give back to society in the most incredible way. Mm. But sadly, less than 15% of people with autism are in the workplace, which is a much lower inclusion rate than other disabilities because they have no filter and they tend to say say what they're thinking. Yeah. 
But in a world where everybody's lying to you all the time, I think it's quite quite wonderful to, to have, have that incredible honesty, yes. brutal truth. I was thinking of putting jewels into a truth booth where people paid money to come in and be told, does my bum look big in this? Well, yes, it yes, does or whatever. <laughs> you need to change your trousers. But he had a part in, was it Holby City? Well, I was going to say to anyone, so how, how anyone listening who has a child with autism, my two top tips would be, first of all, build up their self-esteem because mm. all day they're told they're wrong, they're stupid, they're out of sync. And their, their self-esteem gets limbo low, like lower than... You know, the Kardashians bikini line is quite low. <laughs> that is very low. <laughs> very low. Um, and the other thing is to feed their obsessions because they're very obsessional people. And it doesn't matter what it is. If it's an Amazonian moth wing fluctuations or igneous rock formations, Tibetan nose fluting, whatever. <laughs> and my own son wanted to be an actor. And I kept thinking, how can you put the artistic into autistic? I just couldn't see it happening. But I indulged him. I enrolled him in acting classes. And I used to go and watch him and I'd think, you're really good. And then I thought, no, no, it's the mum goggles, mm-hmm. the love filter. You know how mothers, we put the, the, the love goggles child, on. I totally. know. <laughs> so, but then he won two little awards and he got, then he made two little films and then he got an agent. Then he got wow. cast in Holby City, which is a BBC medical drama yeah. on BBC One. Yeah. And he was only supposed to be in one storyline, but the, the audience loved his character so much. And does he play an autistic It's the first person. time they cast an autistic actor to play an autistic character because they normally get Dustin Hoffman to pretend to be the Rain Man or something. So <laughs> good, good on the BBC for doing that. Yeah, brave. And it's also um, helped, it'll do more to take the stigma out of autism than a hundred dry documentaries because sure. the audience can relate to him. And also I was going to say for anyone listening, you might not think you have anyone in your life who's autistic, but it's one in every 68 people. It comes through the male line, mm-hmm. and four out of five people with, with autism are male. So just think about your husband, your mm. father, your mm. son. There's a lot of undiagnosed autism out there. If he's a train spotter or a plane spotter or you have to whack the fertilizer on to get any feelings out of him, mm-hmm. there's a very, very good chance that he's on the spectrum. And not that I like to label people. I mean, a label should just be something on the side of a jam jar. You don't you think yeah. normal is yeah, just yeah, yeah. sitting on a washing machine? Yeah, but it can None of us be are normal. Well, exactly. It can <laughs> be a psychological signpost to get yes. the right help. What about things like nutritional therapies? Because I, mean, I wrote a book about gut health last year, for yeah. example, and there's quite a lot of research going on into probiotics and looking after changes in the gut flora yes. and linking that up with the brain. Yes, I, I think know. all of that is totally worth exploring. Mm. So I should do more of that myself. Did you find any therapies helpful for him particularly growing up? Did you, you know, find it no hypnotherapy or just uh, homeopathy just or whatever it was? You know, was there anything more that... psychological things like right. um, um, just talking doctors, as he calls them? When he okay. was four, he said to me that if if Macbeth had had a talking doctor, he wouldn't have killed Duncan. And I was like, yeah, was... when he, he had four... me- he'd memorized Hamlet at five. I don't think he understood it, but he'd memorized it. So there's savants. Have these incredible yeah, yeah, memories. Totally. I don't even have a diary. I just say, "Where was I on the third of June, two thousand and two? And he'll know. Yes, and but he can't get the right change from the corner store. So it's a real mix. Mm. But the really difficult time is when they start dating. You know, when mm. these when boys um, hit puberty, the social isolation is so terrible. And um, you know, when Jules became a teenager, he did everything to attract girls by covering himself in cupcake icing and walking through town with a free designer shoe placard. You know, 
<laughs> but to girls his own age, he was just too exotic. He might as yeah. well have been a sherbet winged flamingo flying down the high street. How do you cope with that then, as the mother, with as the, the kind of the disappointment mm. and the oh, it kills you. What does every mother want? Yeah. The one thing you really want above all else is for your child to find happiness. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's really difficult. So I mean, the the book I've got out now called Best Laid Plans. It, it sort of it looks at the whole psychological minefield that all parents go through when your kids start having mm. sex because I mean our generation had to leave home to have sex mm-hmm. but now we let them have sex at home over the I age didn't. of consent over the age of consent no way you, well no, I was no, going to no, say no, this all, somewhere else first of all they never leave home <laughs> and also, also well maybe um, mine, mine have left quite early but <laughs> maybe that's why <laughs> but it makes for some well in normal yeah. all my girlfriends are going through this it makes for mm. some very awkward sure. moments over the muesli in the mornings because you never know who's going to turn up <laughs> But when you have a child with autism, you really never know who's going to turn up. Animal, vegetable, mineral. You know, it's a, it's a nightmare. But, but I, we did, I mean, I did talk to my women friends in the National Autistic Society about mm. how we could get, um, let our, boy, uh, our sons experience relationships. Mm. Because, you know, when Jules was, by the time he was 17, all this endless rejection, he said to me one day, Mum, I'm a reject. If you'd known I was autistic, would you have aborted me? Oh, gosh, what a terrible thing what to say. Just wrench your heart out of your chest, right? So we did think about taking them to a brothel, which as a feminist <laughs> is a drastic thing to say, right? We did. I can't believe you're saying yeah, that. Yeah, we did, but I thought, how? Uh, what are we going to do the mothers sitting outside knitting while they're inside? It's like paging Dr. Freud to reception. <laughs> so I did drive through the red light district one night, and I seriously thought about picking up a prostitute. This is not my natural habitat. My natural habitat is a book club or a quilting bee or something okay right but luckily I, I panicked and I gave up and, and I, I went home but just as well I did because the next day I read in the paper about the father of an autistic son who was arrested picking up a prostitute for, <gasps> for him and I thought that could have been me that could know? have been you and I really don't want to be strip searched not without dinner and a date first so <laughs> I was really glad that didn't happen but I did have a brainwave getting back to middle-aged women as I was driving home from the red light district it crossed my mind. I thought, who are the horniest people I know? I thought it's boys who have autism who are priapic because they never mm. get a girlfriend. And it's women, post-50, post-divorce, taking HRT. Are you going to put like, the two together? Yes. I'm going to write to Mark Zuckerberg and say, have I got an app for you? you know, <laughs> I've even got a name for it, Tinderism or Tinder. Or what about this is brilliant? All square Tinder. pegs for round holes. Come on, <laughs> genius. We shall be downloading in a trice. That is extraordinary. A lot of your real life experience seems to be reflected in your books. You know, totally. it, it, yeah. is that is that where most of your life inspiration comes from? Can I we only... expect to see books on ageing disgracefully, even more disgracefully yes, perhaps exactly. in the future. I only write because it's cheaper than therapy. But I also write, I always try and write the book I wish I'd had when I was going through mm. something. They're almost like manuals for other women mm-hmm. because I'm all about making life easier for yeah. my female friends. So I have kind of catalogued with humour, of course, mm-hmm. every stage of my life, whether it's yeah. being a single girl around town or pregnancy, childbirth, raising teenage daughters, which is, by the way, like living with the Taliban. You're not allowed to laugh, sing, dance, wear short skirts. I remember when my daughter was a teenager, I'd be going out and I'd get to the front door and I knew she wouldn't approve of the pink leopard skin miniskirt I was wearing. And I'd be <laughs> creeping out and I'd go, and open the door. If she heard me, she'd come running back and say, what are you wearing? Go back to your room. You're not going out dressed like that. <laughs> I remember I said to her one day, surely, George, my legs are okay. I can still wear a short skirt. She said, it's not the legs, mum. 
The skirt doesn't go with your face. Ouch. That's crushing. Low self-esteem is hereditary. You get it from your teenage daughters. But in, in my Girls' Night Out show, I talk a bit about teenage daughters and I give the women a great survival tip mm. where I say, next time your daughter hits you and kicks you and says, I wish you'd just die, just take a big drag on a cigarette and a big gulp of wine and say, I'm doing my best, darling. To <laughs> <laughs> so hasten the day. Yeah. Do you, you, I know you have probably the best connected address book of anybody oh. I know. <laughs> And, you know, our close personal friends with so many A-listers, it's just ridiculous. But, you know, do, I know George Clooney and Amal, do they come to you for parenting tips with uh-huh. their twins? Well, I have said to them that, that having children is the greatest love affair of your life until they hit puberty. And I yeah. said, when they all twins hit puberty, you'll want to put them back in the condom vending machine for the <laughs> refund. <laughs> to make the most of it now. Make the most of it now, mm. because... Once my kids hit, hit puberty, I was so desperate not to have any more children, I put a condom on my vibrator. So, you know, <laughs> it's tough. But they do come out the other side of the whole yeah, they hormonal do. hell. They I mean, do. both yeah, have daughters yeah. are just yeah. gorgeous. Such joys. And we met at a reception for WOW, Women of, Women the, of the World, at Clarence House yes. with the wonderful... Her Royal Highness. Yeah, she's fabulous. Of Cornwall, I mean, big I'm, fan, I'm a Republican, by the way. I mean, being so Australian. How, so how does that square then? Well, I, they know that I am. I say, look, yeah. I think you're fab, but I don't really believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Australia should be a republic. We've got to learn to stand on our own two thongs. Yeah. But you cannot help but love Camilla. She's earthy. Yeah. She's funny. She's very funny. She talks about yeah. the Spanx pants she has to wear to hold in her tummy. You know, yeah. she talks about the fights they have, about he wants the window open, she wants it closed. Like she's just, she's very real. She's really, she's, and she yeah. supports women's causes. Absolutely. Well, we first met, actually, um, when I was involved with the National Osteoporosis Society. Yes. Because her mother uh, sadly died of osteoporosis. Yes, I know. So I became involved with that and, and talking about bone density and bone strength. And then, obviously, the Women of the World Festival, which she's now the new president yeah. for. So she's, so she's really good right news. Right on there. Yes. And yeah. Of course, and I've... I've loved Prince Charles ever since he wanted to be a tampon. Do you remember Tampon Gate? Oh, dear. Think back. Remember he was, he was he recorded was. saying he loved Camilla so much he wanted to be her tampon? And I thought, well, it's great to have a man who's not gynophobic, but it did kind of sum up his entire life, always in the right place at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> but the next generation, great. You know, Prince Harry with what he's doing with the charity work, mm. lovely Meghan. In fact, you talk about tampons. I think she works yes. with... Developing countries and, and menstrual, menstrual issues she for, does. For, for young girls. So how so. great to have a blue blood talking about red blood. It's just fabulous. Who would ever have thought that could happen? That is great, isn't so, there? Yeah. So much to talk about. Cathy, we could go on forever. I hope perhaps you'll come back. I'd love to come Huge back. Huge luck and success. You oh, don't you... need the luck and all the success because it will be continued with your tour. And we will put all the details on our podcast. Oh, notes that would be so lovely! I want you, links. I want you to come along. So oh my goodness, I'd love to. Bonding, absolutely. And you're just fabulous. I mean, I just feel that we are going to be each other's human wonder bras. Oh, bless Don't your you heart. feel that? Thank I've you. Got the... I feel a whole new sisterhood gang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you, thank my you for pleasure. your time. And that is sadly all we have time for today. But you can download the notes, as I said, from today's show over on LizOurWellbeing.com and I'll make sure that we put all the resources, not only Kathy's books and tour dates, but also the Autistic Society yes. links and lots of other helpful resources there, maybe even a little bit about tampons as well. Who knows? <laughs> you will find much more. And Freedom with strings attached. <laughs> <laughs> lots of varied aspects of living well, looking good, but above all, feeling good. And I hope that today's episode left you with a big smile on your face after being the best medicine to feel good so until the next time we chat go very well bye bye
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.